Hello, friends. I'm Devin Fadul, and this is the Paid in Full podcast. In each episode, I sit down with creatives, entrepreneurs, and thinkers that have gone off the beaten path to achieve their own version of success. My goal is to dive into their stories, learn about their philosophies, and share their wisdom. I hope you enjoy the show. My guest today is Matt Croce. Matt is an old friend and a former auditor who left the corporate grind in 2021 to start his own business. And in this conversation, we get into some parenting philosophies, how he's growing the company, and some thoughts on traditional retirement. So without further ado, I want to start with kids. Okay. I've got some. You've got five. I do. Was that ever part of the plan? The short answer is no. Certainly not for me. That was never part of my plan. I never grew up. I was one of three, so I, I did have siblings. My wife was an only child. So for her, I think she's like, yeah, I'll take as many as I can get. I didn't have any of that growing up. I definitely want that experience for my kids where they, uh, you know, they have brothers and sisters and they're running around and playing and there's always someone to beat up on or someone to play a game with or whatever. I don't think I came into this with like, oh, I want to have 2.5 kids and then it's going to be done. We're going to move on. And, and that's that. It's kind of just open to whatever life presented. I didn't think it would be five, but here we are. And that's okay. <laughs> no, definitely not part of the plan. But it's been good. I mean, it's a wild ride. There's constantly something happening. And they're all young. Like our oldest is eight. So they're very much compressed as far as age. And they're like on top of each other. And it's crazy. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, sleep is just not what it used to be. But that's okay. And the schedule... I think we'll get crazier as they get to be teenagers and they're going around and doing their own thing more. Now we can kind of control what they do. That won't last for too much longer once once they get to be 10, 11, 12 and they have activities and all this stuff. So I don't know what that's going to look like, honestly. But it's one of those things like I never I never felt like I needed to say, okay, there's one, there's another one coming. I need to like plan what this is going to look like or how it's going to... I've always been very like, well, you know, we'll figure it out. It's going to be good. It might just be different, but that's okay. And it just, it's always felt like impossible to try to map out what it's going to look like and mm-hmm. even try it. Yep. So you're just embracing it as much as possible. As much as you can. Yeah. I mean, there's no alternative really. <laughs> right or wrong, but for, for people like you and I that have sort of stepped out to work for ourselves, that gets amplified a little bit with just sort of the economic implications of that. Mm-hmm. Having a large or growing family and you know, everything that comes along with that as far as obligations. So that, I mean, that feeling is kind of always present, I think. And it can, I mean, it can serve you in a couple of ways. It, it certainly can provide some drive or motivation to, you know, for those days when you're just like, oh, this is terrible. I don't want to do it, <laughs> but I got to put food on the table. But it could also turn into a monster if you let it, for sure. I think I've always been fairly good at sort of keeping that in perspective. Um, I, I'm not sure why it is, but things, I think for the most part, things tend to work their way out when you when you just kind of keep moving forward and don't get you know stuck in whether it's some fear, some emotion, or just kind of like spinning your wheels. At least it's been my experience that things tend to work out. Maybe not how I thought they would or wanted them to exactly, but not you know not not to my detriment what's something you change your mind about as your kids have gotten a little bit older you're only you're only what eight nine years in so 
But I mean, there's, there's a lot of stupid stuff, right? Like you're like, Oh, you know, when I have kids, my, they're only going to eat fish and vegetables. Um, they're never going to watch TV. <laughs> we didn't have a TV for probably the first five or six years. Um, wow. then we broke down we're like, okay, we need something we can just turn on and ignore the kids for a little bit. I mean, so there's stuff like that. Uh, I mean, bigger picture things. I don't know if I've changed my mind on a whole lot. I've definitely learned a lot feeling like I think what you find out is just how little you know and how little you control and just kind of like you know I'm here to provide whatever guardrails need to be in place and support system that needs to happen and allow you to you know figure out who you are and how I can help you become that person while you know teaching and giving whatever I can along the way Um, but it's the feeling, the idea that I'm going to somehow mold this person or control them or have this, I don't know. It's, it's just hard to, it's hard to put words around, but the, the impact that you have is, is less, it's less because I intentionally did A, B, and C to make you who you are. And it's more, you know, I see who you are and I want you to be that person. And and how can I just sort of like build the scaffolding so you can climb up there, you know? Mm-hmm. What are you, um, what are you most excited for? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's fun to see their the hobbies. Yeah, hobbies that 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 they develop or the interests as they kind of come up, and they all have different ones. And it's sometimes it's just like, oh, you know, where did that come from? Because I don't have that. I never told you about this. Our six year old is super into like mechanical things, electronics, takes things apart, puts them back together, can figure out how anything works, um, which is great. I think it'll serve him well in life. Right now, there's like nothing in our house that's safe. We can't lock anything away from him. There's nothing he can't get into, that kind of thing. But I mean, that's not the kind of person I am. I'm not, I don't fix things. I'm not like a super DIY kind of guy. I don't know anything about motors or engines or whatever, but that's just inside of him for, for from wherever. But things like that are always interesting just to see kind of what, what develops. Um, it's just fun to watch, watch these little personalities come to life. I'm definitely excited for, yeah, I mean, for things like sports and, school dances and all that kind of stuff mostly just just to see the, the people that they become and kind of get to know them it's fun to know them as kids but i'm excited to know them as you know when they get older and when they start to develop opinions and they have life experience that'll feed into the way they think about things and kind of getting to know those people will be fun i'm kind of in the midst of that right now uh Addie's just hitting that moment where she's i don't know if she's clever you know Mm-hmm. She can she can hold her own in, in an argument now. Like uh, the other day, we're, we're driving, and I'm always I'm always bitching about other drivers, right? And uh, I, I gave her this like you know this incredible dad lecture, like oh you know most drivers, <laughs> if you were to ask them, eighty percent of drivers say that they're about an above average driver. Well, that <laughs> that can't work mathematically. Well, you know I'm giving them this thing, and then like ninety uh-huh. seconds later, I made it a little snafu. I messed up. She looks at me and goes, so you're part of the 80%, huh? Like that. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you clever little girl. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. But no, it's interesting, man. They 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 change. The other day, she kind of parroted back something that I've been teaching her for a little while. And it felt it felt very validating that she's yeah. actually <laughs> she's actually listening to me and she's absorbing it enough to where she can kind of digest it and then say it back in her own words. It was something about uh, the little quip, um, believe nothing of what you hear and half of what you see, right? So it's basically, you know, 
verify the source or, you know, trust, but verify. And, uh, something we were talking about something at school or something like that. And, and I, I started to say it, I said, you know what I always say? And I, and I said like two words and she like finished it for me. And I'm like, okay. Like, yeah. but she said it in a snooty <laughs> way because she wanted me to shut up. But the fact that right. she knew I was going to say that and has somewhat internalized it, at least that's the way it seems. It was, it was, a, it was a big moment. This whole thing I'm getting at, like you'll, if you're doing your job well, you'll see that come up. It might take a year or five, but they'll get it. Yeah. Just keep on it. Yeah. I mean, that's a classic, uh, classic line from a dad that was an auditor. <laughs> yeah. For, uh, for 18 months or whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> talk to me about, uh, talk to me about the career stuff. So quick recap, you were in the corporate world for probably what, 12, 13 years, something like that. And then you left a few years ago to do your own thing. Walk, walk me through that. Yeah. I, um, I have an under, undergraduate degree in communications and uh, directly after finishing that did an MBA and got a job doing commercial mortgage underwriting. They laid off most of the staff and I landed at PNC in real estate finance. I ended up over at uh, KPMG from there where we worked together and I was, I was only there for maybe two years, something like that. Went to Highmark, worked there for again about two years. Made my way over to BNY Mellon from there, where I was for a few years. Went back to PNC. From PNC, I went to USAA. And while I was there, I uh, kind of picked up my first couple sort of freelance bookkeeping clients. And so I started doing this on the side, kind of, you know, very low key, a couple hours a week here and there. And so, I, you know, I, I found a couple more here and there and just started picking up steam. I left USAA after about a year and a half and went back to BNY Mellon. This was still during the pandemic and everyone was working at home. So I was still fully remote and the bookkeeping and accounting work just kept growing and growing. And I, I was actually only at BNY in my last stint there for about six or eight months before I stepped away and went full time on, on my own thing. And that was October of 21. Yes. It's been about a year and a half now that I've been completely full time. Yeah. So we do, we do bookkeeping and accounting work. For small businesses and families, um, got a small team now. There's four of us, and we work with about 40, 40 clients or so right now. We're growing and having fun. I mean, it's, I mean, you know, tons of work. There's always stuff to do, and it's not all fun. But um, I take it over over going into an office any day of the week. How did it feel that day that you left in October of twenty one? Very exciting, slightly terrifying. Um, you know, a bit like just. You know, it's like the room is dark and you're, you're taking that next step out and you're like, I think the floor is here. Okay, good. We didn't stub our toe. We'll take another step. It's, it's just like that <laughs> every day. There's a light way, way, way off at the end of the tunnel. And I think we're, we're getting closer to it. I mean, the analogies are all through building the airplane as you're, as you're flying it and all these things. It's exactly what it feels like. <laughs> what were some of the biggest challenges that first year? I mean, you already had some clients. The, the word was spreading. Yeah, I didn't just kind of quit my job with nothing lined up. We did have some some runway as far as um, cash in the bank. Probably could have gone about two years or so without any revenue from the business before it would have been an issue, which has made it easier to kind of make that decision for sure. But we did have we did have a handful of clients. I think we probably were working with five or six people at that point. Yeah, I mean, it was very much just kind of like learning as I went. I mean, I'm not a CPA. I know what I'm doing as far as the accounting bookkeeping work that we do, but I, 
I'm not going to touch someone's taxes. Um, we just don't do that. And so uh, probably, I mean, the biggest challenge is, is, and this still happens now, is kind of overcoming that feeling of like uh, inadequacy or in your classic sort of imposter syndrome thing where you, I mean, you kind of feel like you're making it up every day, but um, you're not, you're doing good work. But that's always kind of, I think even, even if I was a CPA and I had all these other designations, I think you'd still kind of feel that because you're just kind of out there on the, on your own, talking to people and doing your best work for them, um, hoping that it's good enough, <laughs> you know, and, and it's just, it's easy to feel like, well, I think this is the right thing, but I don't, you know, there's no boss to tell me if I'm wrong here. So <laughs> we're going to go with it and see what happens. It's a challenge, but you get used to that feeling, I think. Mm-hmm. You've been growing a lot in the last, you know, 18 months, 24 months, something like that, right? What do you what do you attribute that to? You know, honestly, it's it's all been word of mouth referral, people talking to people. Uh, I say all, almost all of it. We we do have a small a number of clients that have come through from like Upwork, which is sort of a freelancer marketplace. I'll go out there every once in a while and just kind of see what's what's out there, if there's anything that makes sense to to throw my hat in the ring on. But for the most part, it's been referral. Um I mean, I think I think the big thing is that, you know, accounting work or bookkeeping work can easily be treated as a commodity. There's not necessarily any anything special about you know the the day to day work that we do, but our whole sort of philosophy is kind of rooted in service. We want to come alongside the people that we work with, our clients, and basically we want them to feel like we are part of their business, part of their company, and just as committed to helping them succeed and grow and meet whatever goals they have as they are, which I think you don't get with a lot of other, you know, bookkeeping or accounting firms that you might work with. They're, you know, you're a client, they're going to go in and do your books once a week or whatever. And that's it. You know, they're not going to sit down with you and talk about, Hey, we want to do this. How can we think about financing this? Or what are some solutions we could come up with to, to you know, do A, B, and C that we want to do in our business. So it's it's a little bit more than just you know transactional, which is how we want to approach it. So you you recently went through a rebrand. So tell me about the kind of the thought process behind that. What made you want to do that? And then where you see that? I guess kind of how do you, how do you see that changing things for the business in the next uh, you know kind of in the short term, the next like maybe one to three years. Well, so the original name we had was uh, 412 Management, which was very kind of spur of the moment and created without much thought. I just basically needed a name and that was there. So we, we, took, we took it. It's obviously very sort of geographically limiting, maybe. 412 is the area code for Pittsburgh where we live, but it didn't really say anything about who we are, what we do, any of that kind of stuff. And so I wanted to kind of change that up. I'd grown pretty tired of that. It didn't really mean anything to me. So I worked with uh, the clients of ours, a great little company called Studio Live, and they went through sort of a naming exercise for us and came up with a, you know, a selection of 10 or 12 names that they thought might, might speak to the way we try to approach our work and the relationships with our clients. Um, We settled on one called Zor, Z-O-A-R, which is kind of a, an obscure word, sort of means shelter, fortress, safe place, that kind of thing. But yeah, and that's kind of what we're trying to, you know, communicate to our clients and give to our clients is sort of that feeling of safety. So we're, we're using kind of safety in numbers as a, a little bit of a tagline with that. But as far as, you know, how it, how it changes things, I don't know. I mean, obviously, 
like, I don't know if your brand changes what you do every day, but it, it sort of filters into the way you think about things and the way that you try to position yourself when you're talking to clients, when you're on sales calls, um, the way that you talk about the business or the company, I think flows out of that. So there will be impact there for sure. There's some other little kind of fun stuff. I'm working on a little uh, sort of a twist on the CFO role. We're calling it the ZFO, which is like a for, you know, Z for Zor, um, but it'll be more of a, a personal kind of product for for individuals and families who want someone to kind of walk in those shoes with them. That's kind of in development now, but that, that that'll come soon. So there might be some some things with that. I think Z is kind of fun to play around with. There's not a lot of Z names out there, so it sticks out a little bit. So I know that you are a man of faith. Are you raising your children in the church as well? How are you and your wife approaching that as a family? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely part of our lives and we try and it's not something that we like try to beat our kids over the head with, but it just sort of like is part of part of our everyday sort of interactions and I think in subtle ways and it's not like you have to do this or you have to think this way or whatever, but we try to just show them by how we act and how we live, what that means. And hopefully, you know, they pick up on some of that. I think it's like you said with with your daughter. There are things that we may not know they are getting for years, but then sometimes you know something will come out and you're like, oh, okay, that did get into you. But I'm not. I don't know. I'm not really one for like proselytizing and like making my kids memorize things and like forcing them to do any of that. I don't know. I think that does more harm than good in the long run. I mean, ultimately, I think it it's you know, treating people with respect, with kindness, with love, and and meeting people where they are and understanding that you know we're all we're all the same here like you're no different than me we're just bags of bones and meat that are trying to make our way through the world and everyone's dealing with their own things and understanding that keeping that in in some perspective i think is probably the key rather than saying i need to go find these people in the jungle that that have never heard whatever um that i don't know that doesn't really do much for me yeah, it's like uh, what's that saying? Like, uh, you you preach you preach more with your life than with your lips, something like that, mm. right? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that going to church helps keep you in the mindset. But is there anything that you read, whether it's uh, faith based or you know, what do you what are you reading right now? I know you have I know you have all the time in the world to just sit back and read, but I, I guess do. what are you yeah, reading now, true. and what what have you read like <laughs> like recently historically? I've been all over the place. I. I'm in the middle right now of reading the second of Cormac McCarthy's newest novels. And he has a way of writing. It's very, very sort of sparse, but like just cuts right to the, to the, the boat of what he's trying to say. He just released two books that are supposedly probably, you know, the final books he'll write. He's older and they're phenomenal. The second one that I'm reading now is it's all dialogue basically a woman with her therapist talking about the sort of the visitations of the, the, the people that, that she, that she sees and that she talks to. So it's, it's pretty spectacular. Um, I'm enjoying that a lot. Definitely recommend those. How are you reading it? Hardcover, Kindle? Yeah. Physical book. I'm uh, you know, I've tried to read eBooks. I just, I can't do it. I, I don't enjoy it nearly as much. I'm like a, a hard copy guy. So I'm always buying books. I'll probably probably keep buying books and I'll just I'm sure I'll never read all of the books that I buy, but that's okay. I'm all right with that. I'm right there with you, man. <laughs> I uh I just have a hard time with the electronic stuff. You know, my daughter reads on her Kindle. 
she'll read for hours a day on her Kindle if we let her, but I just can't do it. Okay, so you got five kids. We've covered that. But we haven't talked about your relationship. How do you stay connected with your wife? Yeah. With five kids running around. <laughs> you know, I can't even imagine what your schedule's like. Yeah. I don't even know if you get, you know, two words in with your wife per day. Do you have any tips, tricks, ideas? <laughs> I mean, how do you do it, man? I don't have any tips or tricks. It's, I mean, it's tricky. It's hard, but it's, I don't know. We're very much like on the same page about a lot of stuff. And so we kind of, we just make it work. I mean, you're right. It's, our lives are busy. I'm on the board at my kid's school. So I've got meetings and stuff for that. So I'm the treasurer at another organization. So, I mean, there are other things outside of these, you know, work and, and life that happen too. Um, but we're both, you know, we're both committed to the same goal, which is, you know, the kids, the family, we're both going, you know, we're rowing in the same direction, which helps a lot. I think none of this would work if we weren't doing that. Um, if either one of us, you know, felt like, oh, I want to go this way instead, uh, the whole thing blows up. We do like you know, check in, we'll make sure, Hey, is this, you know, is this working? Do we need to change anything? Those, you know, those types of conversations. But I mean, yeah, the day to day is just like, it's all very often. It's like a blur by the time the kids are in bed. And we can sit down at the end of the day, it's nine o'clock and we're just like, you know, completely exhausted. And maybe we'll talk a little bit. Maybe we'll just like veg out in front of some show for half an hour and fall asleep. Like it's tough, but knowing that you're both kind of on the same path together helps um, that, you know, if I need it, this person absolutely has my back and I have hers. There's a, I guess, a level of comfort or security that comes with that, a feeling of, I, you know, I, I've never felt like I needed to like make sure she was still there or still, you know, supporting me in, in, in some way and her, me, I think in the same way, she's never felt like, Oh, I need to check to make sure that he's still okay with everything. Like we're very, I think lucky in that we both are just committed to that and to each other and to, to where we're going. So, I mean, we certainly do all the, you know, the things you can do, right. You, you, you find a babysitter when you can, you go have your date night and all of those kind of things. Sure. But I think, I don't know, there's no tips or magic. It's just in the day to day, making sure you're kind of committed to the same things and going the same way, not wasting, wasting your energy, fighting each other on stupid stuff. You kind of learn what's, what's worth uh, arguing about and what's not. And at the end of the day, there's not that much that's really worth, uh, really worth your energy. You got to save it for the things that are, <laughs> that are worth it. And it sounds like you guys put in that work, whether it was before kids or before marriage or whatever, but you've gotten to that point where there there was, mm -hmm. is a lot of connection already, a lot of trust. And you probably, whether you know it or not, you almost certainly did it at some point in the relationship. So it's that investment is kind of paying off now. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I think that's accurate. We're, I mean, we're very sort of like, we're sort of just in tune, like, our frequencies are kind of the same, um, if that makes sense. Um, and so a lot of what we do just kind of clicks and works in a way that feels not random, but sort of lucky and like just fortuitous, like, oh, this this person is, is kind of on my wavelength, which is, I think, you know, what you're looking for a lot of the time. So that, I think, saves us a lot of effort in that we're both kind of headed the same way, doing the same things sort of naturally, which is very helpful. We don't have to like 
constantly kind of reset those ways of doing things were kind of all already there, which is which is helpful. And uh, she's obviously very supportive of of um, kind of your day to day with the business. I mean, that is you know you are running not only are you running a business, but you've got employees. It's uh, you know it's a big lift. So looking out, you know the firm the firm's growing. I don't want to oversimplify it, but you're doing bookkeeping, which is there, you know, it's like plumbing, like there's never going to be a situation where that that's not going to be in demand. So even just on, you know, I, again, I don't know the numbers, but just on kind of like run rate revenue now and projected growth, again, I don't want to, I don't want to like overhype it, but it's going to be quite successful. What I'm getting at is I don't, I don't want to ask the question of, you know, what is, what, what does it look like if you fail? Because the odds of this thing failing are slim to none in my opinion. But what I do want to ask is, how do you want to build this firm? Because it's going to grow. So how do you yeah. see this firm growing over the next, let, let's say five to 10 years? Yeah. I mean, first I'll answer your question about what happens if it fails. Cause I do think about that. It's one of those like things that's just kind of always in the back of your head. I think when you run your own thing, like what happens if it, if it all goes off the rails? Um, I mean, I feel like I'm a little bit lucky in that I've got decent corporate experience I know a number of people like I think I could find another full-time gig without too much trouble if I needed to. That's that. As far as growing the business, what does that look like? What might I regret? If something happened and this turned into a nationwide firm and we've got 10,000 employees and all of this, I would think that something went wrong. That's not what I want. I mean, it, it's one of those things, right? You get, okay, we reach... We reached five hundred thousand in revenue. Okay, now I'm not happy until we're at seven fifty. Then I'm not happy until we're at a million. You know, I think that treadmill never stops. Um, whether you're doing this or whether it's like your annual raise and bonus at your W two job or whatever it is, there's a version of that that everyone lives on. I think um, the trick is like you know, right now we're at a place where we can pay the bills. I can draw a salary that feels reasonable, and that's great. Um, I do want to grow still. But like the, the trick is getting your head to a place where you say, okay, even if this didn't grow at all, we're okay. And that, that is okay. I mean, we do, I do have goals for growing the business um, five to 10 years. I mean, I want to be in a place where I am less of the day to day of the business. Like that's not a, that's not a revenue goal or financial goal, but it, for me, that's a, a life kind of thing, lifestyle, I guess. I don't necessarily want to be doing books 10 hours a day, five years from now. I think the business grows to a point where I've got people in place that are doing a lot of this stuff day to day. And I can spend my time on, you know, whether business development or some of the more interesting CFO kind of stuff, projects I want to work on versus, okay, there's still a couple of clients that I am doing everything day to day for. So that's kind of like a a medium term goal for me. Yeah. I mean, I do, I want to get $2 million in revenue. I, I don't know how long that'll take us. The trajectory uh, of things right now is good. It looks great. The growth rate is really good. We'll see. It's a question of how quickly do I want to like constantly be taking on new work? Growing too fast is a problem, but it's, uh, it's kind of staggering the number of small businesses that exist. You kind of get exposed to that in this line of work and you're right. I mean, there's, I don't think there's ever going to be a lack of potential work out there. That, that number is just huge. I mean, it grew a lot during the pandemic. Everyone started a business. It seems like during the pandemic, myself included, and it just keeps happening. So, I mean, there's plenty of work out there. It's just how quickly do you want to get there? And 
I, you know, I want to save my sanity at the same time. I'm not trying to be one of these entrepreneurs that just, you know, works 80 hour weeks and burns out. That's not why I'm doing this. All right. Let's, let's maybe wrap up with this question. Cause I, I've, I've kind of got this top of mind recently. Uh, the concept of retirement, you know, capital R retirement where, you know, you work and then you stop working and then you golf and then you die not to be so, uh, so flippant about it, but you know, my thoughts have changed probably in the last 18 months. So a, what are your thoughts on retirement? And then have they changed since you left corporate America? I think, yes. I think my thoughts on retirement have changed. I don't think I ever thought I would just stop working and like lounge. I would always probably be doing something or have something going on just because I get bored and need to be doing something. Now, I think, I don't know what that'll look like. I mean, it's interesting. Like in this kind of business, you can sell a firm like this. Um, you can make a nice a nice penny doing that if you build it up. There's a lot of work for me to do between now and then to make that like a reasonable thing to think about. Basically, I need to pull myself out of the business, um, systematize everything so someone could pick it up and keep running it. But even if I did that tomorrow, like, I don't know, I wouldn't just head to the beach and chill out all the time. I'd probably find something else to work on. I want to keep my brain engaged. If, I think I'd go crazy if I just sat around all day long with no no goal or no, you know, anything to work on at all. I couldn't golf all day. So, yeah, I mean, my thoughts on that have changed. I could, like, I mean, I could also see myself, you know, doing this until I'm 75. You know, my role would change. What I do every day would change. But I don't know. I like the clients we have. I like the people I work with. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If you enjoy what you're doing, why stop? No reason to stop. Maybe I do it less, but I don't know. I think that you see people kind of just completely atrophy when they stop doing anything at all. I don't want to do that. And I don't want to be these people that's 80 and just can't get up out of a chair and, you know, watch this TV all day. That sounds terrible. Yep. So has that, has that mindset changed since, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, I think, I think, I think back then I probably, I probably would have said, you know, I want to retire and like not do anything, but I don't know if that would have been true. Like, I think I, I, I would have still like found something to be engaged with. I, I think I just need something like that. I, I can't like not be doing something. It just feels not right. It feels, I don't know, wouldn't feel good for me. I don't know what that would be. You know, maybe you know, we've got a little bit of real estate. Maybe I would spend more time on that. Um, I don't know. Who knows? Uh, but it would be something where I would be learning something. I don't know. I'd go back to school when I was 70 or something. I, I don't know. I would need some kind of project. You know, and the beauty of businesses like ours until you physically can't do it. It's not that traditional model, which which I was, I can't speak for you, but I was so steeped in for years of you really aren't even really allowed to work past your early 60s. So you're kind of forced to find something else to do, which is fine if you hate it, if you hate what you're doing. But I don't know, it's just the whole thing. And I'm not going to get into it now, but there, there's a, a small but vocal kind of zeitgeist trying to change, maybe not trying to change, but trying to rethink this idea of of work and retirement. I have to think in maybe a decade, the traditional model, which was only was only traditional for 50, 60, 70 years since maybe the 50s or 60s. Not that long, maybe. right. Yeah. Um, and I say traditional, you know what I'm talking about, you know, work in this corporate job, do it for 30, 35 years, yeah. stop doing it and move to Florida. That only That's only existed for a very like, short period of time. Nobody retired that way in 1925. You know what I mean? 
No, there's only what one, two generations that actually lived that. And, th and that's the fascinating part is that it, it only took one or two generations for it to become the default. Not only the default, but it's so ingrained. Well, it's the investment management industry. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, they didn't help. People selling they didn't help, plans. right? Well, well, they did help <laughs> drive that, right? A, you need to retire. B, in order to retire, you have to have a bunch of money. And C, why don't you let us manage that money for you? Oh no, you know, no wonder they're pushing this retirement model. But I, I can't blame the I can't blame the wealth management industry. I think they were just kind of riding this wave. But, you know, there, there's a lot of factors that I right. probably can't even speak to. But I don't know. I just I just think that we're on this cusp right now where the millennial generation and younger are are going to be getting away from that. And I'm biased, but I, I even if I didn't want everybody to start their own business. I'm just kind of looking at the landscape and thinking that there's there's just going to be a different model out there. I, I totally understand that you had to retire at 55 if you were working in a factory or a steel mill for 30 years and you can't walk. But when you're on a computer, why are we retiring, right? And we're just reaching that point, not to mention the fact that we're working on a computer from wherever we want. We don't have to go into offices anymore, blah, blah, blah. So it's it's part of this whole, right. Yeah. There's there's all these shifts that are going on and and I see it literally every day where the, the the default assumption is that I need to save money for retirement. And so it's it's like, you don't have to retire. You don't have to retire. But I think about it too, like in my own life, like I, like I still put money into a, a 401k account. Um, I, I don't know, maybe I'm brainwashed. It feels like the right thing to do. <laughs> like I'm not saying I am, I should, I should caveat that. I'm not saying don't put money into a retirement account. I mean, it, if you have the cash, do it because the tax benefits alone are pretty incredible and you never know what's going to happen. So I'm not saying don't save for the eventuality when you can't work anymore. I'm just saying don't sacrifice whatever it is today for the potential. Don't skip out on your life now. Yeah. Right? And don't, you know, I see a lot of people that are really worried about it too. Some people, even if they're they're in a relatively bad spot, you know, they may have time to make it up or whatever the case may be, but it, it's, it's always like, there's this like ticking time bomb that's going to go off at age 62. And unless they have a million dollars, then they're going to uh, disintegrate or something, you know, and it's like, they'll never make another dollar in their life. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to wrap with this. And I, you know, I was so, you know, I've been reading personal finance books since I was a teenager and I was so wrapped up in this kind of, I wasn't necessarily like part of the fire movement, but that was kind of the plan. I wanted to retire early. You know, I wanted to make as much money and put as much away and just retire and figure out something. And I was in my late twenties and I was in Costa Rica. I was living with this family and they were in, you know, this tiny town, not even dirt roads. It was like horses just wandering around. The, I mean, it was that kind of, I'm not going to say it was destitute, but it was, it was pretty poor. And I just remember walking, you know, walking around and there's, you know, old people hanging out and, and these, they're, they're so happy. They're just, they just, I could feel it, how happy they were. And they probably had, you know, $2 to their name. And I remember thinking like, what's this guy's retirement plan? And he, there's no chance that he has one. We focus on some some certain things that I just don't think aren't that valuable in the grand scheme. I'd rather have I'd rather be surrounded by family in my 80s than have two million dollars. Anyways, that was a that was a big moment for me. That was that was probably what it's coming up on 10 years ago. Wow. Anyways, man, this was great. I I, I had a blast. Let's uh let's wrap up and let's say where can people find you? I don't I don't think that you're uh you you've got a big presence on social media or or any presence, but at least throw out the website. Uh, you know, anything else? Yeah. Zorfinance.com. Z-O-A-R finance.com. You can find us there. You can connect with us. That'd be great. All right, man. Listen, great catching up. I really appreciate you coming on. 
but let's uh let's try to grab lunch or something soon out east out your way so sounds good be in touch cool all right brother all right man thanks again talk to you later see you bye